This is episode 334 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are The Dirty Little Secret of Prepping, Have You Considered Spare Parts for Your Preps, and Seven Ways to Stay Alive in a Post-Collapse Society. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. Hey, if you want a safe place to come and hang out with other preppers and to communicate and share information, uh, when you purchase the ebook, you also get access to the Prepper Website Forums. That is a private forum for those that have purchased the ebook to discuss micro businesses and building multiple streams of income, but also other preparedness topics as well. And so you can find out more information at microbiz.biz or you can go straight to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and I'll have a link in the show notes. Hey, I'm also going to have a link in the show notes for the new release of the Weekly Watchmen. Uh, for those of you that are interested in it, I uh, try to look at and or listen to actually um, their YouTube videos, but I listen to them uh, teachings by prophecy teachers out there, and uh, a lot of them do weekly updates. And uh, sometimes they're on Sundays, other times they're other parts of the week. But I try to accumulate all of them and uh, curate them all and put them all in one. Uh, article and so I do that on edthatmatters.com and so uh, I released the weekly Watchmen in current events uh, for June 10th 2018 and so I'm going to link to that as well and uh, so you can come and check out uh, what prophecy teachers are saying about the things that are going on around the world and uh, there's a lot of interesting things and uh, I would highly recommend if you are interested in that to go check that out because a lot of the times they're discussing things that you don't hear even the, in the alternative news. And so definitely we know that the mainstream media doesn't cover a bunch of stuff. But even the alternative news doesn't carry some of the stuff that they talk about. And so they talk about geopolitical issues, Middle East issues, and uh, all the other things that are going on. And so uh, there's a lot of good insight and analysis in there. Alright, so uh, with that let's go ahead and jump into our articles for the podcast um, the first two are relatively short articles, um, and that's why I'm reading three articles today. Um, this first one comes to us from TimGamble.com, and it's entitled, The Dirty Little Secret of Prepping. Here is the dirty little secret of prepping. It is hard work, especially when you're doing it right. Prepping is hard work. It takes time. It takes a commitment. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes work, hard work. There's no way around that uncomfortable truth. I believe that truth is the real reason why so many people aren't preppers and why some who become preppers, often enthusiastically at first, eventually stop prepping. We live in a society of entertainment, entitlement, and instant gratification. Hard work doesn't really fit into that modern picture for most folks, so they don't prep. They won't be ready for any SHTF event and they will become our problem. Beggars, looters, or worse. In the classic version of the fable of the ant and the grasshopper, the ant works hard all summer long in the withering heat with no time for play, building his house and storing up supplies for the winter. The grasshopper thinks he is a fool and laughs at the ant, 
and dances and plays the summer away. Come winter, the ant is warm and well-fed. The shivering grasshopper has no food or shelter, so begs the grasshopper for help and is refused. The grasshopper dies out in the cold, a victim of his own choices and actions. Are you an ant or a grasshopper? Are you putting aside fun and frivolity in the moment to do the hard work of prepping? Or are you too busy being entertained and comfortable in the present to work towards the future? When winter comes, will you be warm and well-fed, or will you be a beggar or looter and very likely to die? Dave Ramsey has a great saying, If you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. That is as true with your preparedness as it is with your personal finances. Be the ant. Alright guys, so like I said, a very short article, but one of the things that a lot of us in the preparedness community uh, you know, tend to ask ourselves when there's times where things seem to be going well, we can see a little drop off. Although things have been really good for uh, the podcast and really for Prepper website, but there is a little drop off. You kind of see it. I know I've heard from other uh, people out there that they are experiencing it as well uh, because things seem to be really, really good. And uh, the thing is that none of the fundamentals have changed. I mean, right now the economy seems to be doing good. We're getting headlines that are good, jobs and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is good. And so there is a tendency for most people to say, hey, you know what? We've turned a, we've turned a corner. Um, you know, the, the recession or whatever we were feeling earlier, things are getting better. But really, are they truly? I mean, really look at your finances. Really look at where you're at. I think a lot of people, if they did some, uh, you know, some really uh, hard soul searching and also looking at the finances, they, they they'll feel that they really aren't, or they'll know actually, not just feel that that they really aren't that much better than they were. I mean, it's just kind of like this perception that things are better, but none of the fundamentals have changed. We we are still in debt out the wazoo. Uh, you know, people are still spending money like crazy and people are still going broke like crazy. And so there's there's just a lot of things out there. Interest rates are going to start uh, inching up. I know I was talking to someone uh, and I believe I mentioned it the, the time before. I know that I talked a little bit about our conversation, but um, they were getting they were in an uh, adjustable rate mortgage. And they were slowly, and this person was in real estate. And so for, for many years, they enjoyed the very, very low interest rate. And then all of a sudden, it started inching up. And it seemed like every month, it was going higher and higher. And so they're like, hey, we need to do something. So they locked in a fixed rate at a low, you know, at a low rate. Um, but that's getting to the point where you're, you're not going to be able to find those deals anymore. So you know, we talk about prepping is hard work. A lot of the times, because of that hard work, uh, when things seem to be going well and everything else seems to be, you know, you're getting the headlines, you're like, why am I working so hard at this? But there is a reason for it. So there is a reason to, to do it, to have a plan, to work your plan, be smart about it, and uh, and to prep. And so if you are new to the podcast and you might, uh, your eyes might have been opened out there, you know, you might have had an experience. Maybe uh, people at your job lost their job and, and you're a little worried about that. Or maybe, you you know, you're hearing the things about the volcanoes or the uh, the earthquakes and, and all the other crazy things. Maybe just hurricane season has brought you some uh, somehow to, uh, you know, to the Prepper website podcast. And, uh, you know, you're, you're hearing about this stuff for the very, very first time. You know, the thing that you want to do is not ever freak out. The thing that you want to do is you want to start with a plan. 
And so if you go over to Prepper website, there is a link in the show notes. You can go over to the resource section on the top right hand corner. And when you, when you click into the resource section, there is a link to articles f- that are entitled Survival for the Common Man. And that starts you from the very beginning. And it will walk you through what you need to do in order to start on the route for, to prepare this, right? And so, uh, you know, it is hard work, but it does pay off. It's one of those things It's like, uh, you know, recently we talked about it. Um, you have health insurance, you have, or medical insurance, you have car insurance, you have home insurance. You hope that you never have to use any of that stuff. But if you do, it's there and you're glad that you have it. Same thing with preparedness. You hope you never truly need to use any of the stuff that we're talking about. But if we do, and a lot of people feel we will, then you're, you'll be glad that you have it. Your family will be glad that you have it. So guys, that's over at timgamble.com. Like always, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. All right, so let's go ahead and go to our next article. It comes to us from livinglifeinruleiowa.com. And the article is entitled, Have You Considered Spare Parts for Your Preps? Let's go ahead and read this one. One of the most overlooked parts of most people's preparations is spare parts for the equipment they plan to use in an emergency or a crisis. We all like to think we are covered when we have the actual items in our possession. But what if they break? What if the power source runs out? When you know you could have fixed the problem with a simple spare part, you will get pretty frustrated pretty fast. What spare parts should you have on hand? That depends on your equipment and what you plan to use it for. Your list could look different from mine because we might have different items. The items mentioned in this post are general items. Most of these things are basic items that would be able to fix or repair your broken down items. I am also thinking about needing to recharge or refuel items because your generator or camp stove will be worthless if you run out of fuel. Batteries are always a must. While having hand-cranked flashlights and radios are great, most emergency equipment works best and faster with batteries. I would keep a lot of batteries in all sorts and sizes. Most battery-powered objects take either AA, AAA, CD, and 9-volt batteries. I keep mine in a storage container similar to this. And there's a link there that you can check out. You could keep multiples of these storage containers in the house, garage, shop, and wherever you may need to use them. If you need specialty batteries, I would make a list of those and pick those batteries up the next time you're shopping. For specialty batteries, I would keep them near the objects that take them so you aren't hunting them down in an emergency. With so much technology and solar power these days, chargers and charging cords have become a must. I personally do not get rid of an old charger or charging cords until I absolutely know it will not work for a device in the home. A lot of charging cords work for multiple items. I would test the cords periodically and dispose of the ones that do not work or cannot be fixed. Extra fuel cans are a must to have on hand. Some may not consider them a spare part, but you will regret not having enough fuel on hand when a situation happens. I would keep your fuel cans full and rotate the fuel every three to six months. I would also keep a full fuel stabilizer, either in the fuel or have it on hand to keep the fuel from going stale. I would also keep extra propane cylinders on hand and full one pound and 20 pound cylinders. Propane does not go bad. If you have kerosene heaters or cookers, keep some kerosene on hand too. Likewise, if you have a propane or butane torch, 
you will need extra cylinders on hand. So other items to keep on hand, extra screws of all sizes, scrap lumber to fix broken doors, frames, and windows, hitch pins, cotter pins, clevis pins, and linch pins, O-rings and rubber gaskets of all sizes, snap rings, wiring kit for autos and indoor and electrical repair kit, light bulbs for your flashlights and regular lights, and sewing and mending kit. Like I said before, you might consider other spare parts essential for your preps. You might want to keep spare parts for your vehicle or your bug out or daily driver, for generators, campers, ATVs, and boats, your tractor or your semi if you have one or more, your guns, bows, and other weapons, water filtering systems, tillers, snowblowers, lawnmowers, and other such equipment, log splitters, wood chippers, chainsaws, and trimmers, wood stoves, cook stoves, grills, and other cookers, and other equipment you have that is not listed. Without sounding dire, these items could be the difference between life and death. If you have these spare parts on hand, you could be living a much easier life than if you did not. However, having spare parts on hand will not do you a lot of good if you don't know how to fix or repair something in the first place. So you should be working on your skills and learning how to repair your own equipment. What else would you add to the list? Thanks for reading, Erica. All right, guys, I like that she talked about fixing and repairing items because right now, I know know that I've talked about this before, but we are a very consumer-driven society. A lot of the times it is easier to throw away some of the, uh, the items that we have and just go buy a new item instead of fixing it. Uh, my grandfather owned a television distributorship, and so he sold parts to TV repairmen, okay? So this is like old, old school, right? And so as he got older and uh, had an uncle who passed away, my dad took over the family business. He sold his business, and he took over the family business. Well, dad started seeing the writing on the wall because at one point, you know, the distributorship, people were, it was cheaper to go out and buy a new television than to go out and to repair their television. And so he kind of saw the writing on the wall and they sold the business. And, you know, the business that bought that business didn't last too much longer uh, because it was just, you know, the writing on the wall, it was there. People were going out and buying a new television set as opposed to taking their television set to a repairman. And so if you've uh, been there before, I mean, nowadays, people don't even wait to their TV to go bad. You know, they just go buy a new one because it's bigger and better or whatever. Maybe they pass their television down to the kids or maybe they put it up on Craigslist and give give it away or whatever if they want to get rid of it or take it out to the garage or, or what have you. But, uh, you know, that's that's where we are right now. We're that consumer-driven society where it's just so much easier to go purchase new things than to fix it. But what I would tell you is if you are one of those people that want to learn and, you know, you learn from experience and you can, you know, you can practice on some of those things, fine. If you want to go out and buy a brand new one or maybe your spouse is like, no, we need to go buy a new one, fine, go do that. But take that broken item, whatever it is, take it out to the garage uh, you know, and go work on it and try to fix it. See if you could fix it, whatever it might be. And, you know, just you get that experience and that uh, that knowledge of being able to, that experience to fix it. And so later on down the road, if you have to be in a situation where maybe money is tight or 
uh, you know, we're in a situation where you're not going to be able to go to the grocery store or the, the store for whatever matter and purchase a, a, another item. Then you have experience in fixing things, whether they're electrical, you know, whatever, you know, your uh, your garbage disposal, you know, what have you, you know, somebody, your vacuum cleaner, so many different things out there uh, that, that you could uh, possibly fix and get that experience. And so that's just a recommendation out there to, to do that and see if that's something that, um, you know, that you're that you're wanting to do and get that experience from. Uh, I think that's great. And I also think that it's great to have spare parts. Um, because you know there might be a time when uh, you can't go to the store and just buy something else, and so think about that. You know, I think it might be a great. Well, some of y'all might not think it is very great, but if you ever have any downtime, um, I don't know if you ever do this. Sometimes I do it. You know, if you found yourself in a scenario where we were in a collapsed society. And you think about what would possibly happen. Let's just say you don't have your electricity. You, you don't have the grid. You don't have water. You don't have, you know, gas to cook or whatever. Um, you know, so you, you are living this more of a, a primitive lifestyle. Have you ever thought about what you would, what your day would be like? And so like waking up in the morning and just going through that mental a thought process, right? That mental rehearsal of what it would be like. I mean, you're not getting up and, you know, making some coffee and then drinking it, sipping it on the porch while, you know, the sun comes up. I mean, that's not going to happen. You're going to be busy taking care of things. And so what would your life be like? What kinds of things would you need, you know? And maybe, you know, that would kind of help you to form a list of things that you would like to have maybe some tools that you would need, maybe, you know, some spare parts that you would like to have just in case, maybe some items come to mind, like your grill, you might use your gas grill, or you might use a grill top over an open fire to cook with. And so you might say, hey, you know what, I might need an extra one of those. Uh, I bought one of those for very, very cheap at uh, a thrift store one time. And I was like, man, I, this is just good to have. I took it up to the country, have it up at the country. And it's like, if we ever make a fire outside and uh, I need to, I need a grill, I can just throw this over the fire and, uh, you know, prop it up with a couple of logs and I have something to cook over. So anyway, just some ideas there that you can take away with uh, from this article and uh, just the ability to mentally rehearse what things would look like. Uh, you know, and what you would need. I think that's something to do. Uh, some other people might say, well, Todd, that's very fatalistic. And, uh, you know, what do you want the apocalypse? I definitely do not want the apocalypse. Uh, you know, anybody in their right mind do, does not want the apocalypse. But I think it helps you kind of think through uh, what something like that would be like and what you, you might need. And then even at that, you probably, you're, you're not going to get it all right because you have no complete idea of what it would be like. You're just going off of imagination and what uh, what you perceive. But I, I do think it's helpful. All right, guys. So again, that's livinglifeinruleiowa.com. And the article is entitled, Have You Considered Spare Parts for Your Preps? All right. So let's go ahead and go to our last article of the podcast. Probably won't do as much commentary on this one uh, because there's a, a, enough information here that he's giving uh, but this one's coming to us from readynutrition.com. And the title is Seven Ways to Stay Alive in a Post-Collapse Society. And so let's go ahead and read this one. 
There have always been times where we inadvertently put ourselves in precarious situations. In this case, your best bet is to trust your gut. If you don't feel the situation is right, find the nearest exit and leave the area. We covered some of these times in our most recent article regarding attackers and have to handle them individually or in mass. In the article, we covered a lot of ground for scenarios that may occur during these quote-unquote good times prior to a societal collapse or nuclear war. This article is taking those suggestions and applying them in a collapse environment. Before we begin, you must understand that the biggest difference is that in a post-SHTF scenario, there are no rules. In an SHTF world, it's a different story. The sad thing with laws and rules is that they only help protect the citizen from the law-abiding citizen. The system focuses on self-discipline and restraint. So seven ways to stay alive in a post-collapsed society. As is extensively detailed in the Prepper's Blueprint, How to Survive Any Disaster. Again, let me just quickly say that um, I always talk about Dr. Bones and there's Amy's book, uh, you know, the Survival Medicine Handbook, that that needs to be your first purchase, your first book that you have. Um, the Prepper's Blueprint, How to Survive Any Disaster by Tess Pennington, should be your second one. And so uh, you can link to link to that on uh, on my website as well as just coming to Ready Nutrition and linking to it here. But uh, that is a humongous book of a lot of great, great information. And so I've known Tess for a long, long time, actually since I've started Prepper website. And uh, I, she was one of my first advertisers. And, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't say that about this, uh, the Prepper's Blueprint because of that. Um, it wasn't this book that she was advertising. In fact, uh, the Prepper's Blueprint came later on. But I would recommend that this would probably be the second book that you would want if you were trying to build a, a preparedness library. All right, so uh, let me go ahead and start this sentence over again as I uh, just kind of got off track there. As is extensively detailed in the Prepper's Blueprint, How to Survive Any Disaster, life will definitely be different when the SHTF. You will not be able to rely on the law to protect you. However, you will also not be prosecuted under the law for some superficial or superfluous reasons. Your life and your family's lives take precedence. That being said, what do you do? How do you handle these attackers, people that are intent on taking you down and taking what you have? Let's outline some basics that you can use post-SHTF. Number one, never travel anywhere alone. Always go in pairs with one to guard and watch over the other one. Number two, never go anywhere unarmed, preferably with a rifle or shotgun, a main sidearm or pistol, a backup sidearm piece, plenty of ammo for all of them, a fixed blade knife and a folding lock blade knife at a minimum. Read more about SHTF firearms in this article. Yes, that is a lot of stuff. Let's make some further suggestions on these. A Mossberg 500 series 12 gauge shotgun, 45 ACP main pistol, a 22 caliber long rifle revolver or pistol. Suppressor is optional but highly recommended. A Gerber Mark II fixed blade knife and a Spyderco police model folding knife. Number three is never travel anywhere without the rest of the family or group knowing where you're heading. Don't mess around with this one. If trouble arises, you cannot go off wandering on your own and expect anyone to come to your aid. Number four, consider all strangers armed and potentially dangerous. 
If you wish to be the Good Samaritan or Mr. Rogers, this is your choice. After the SHTF, however, the rules are off and it is, paraphrasing Jack London, back to the law of club and fang. Number five, keep your distance when talking to strangers. As President Reagan phrased it so eloquently, peace through superior firepower. Watch their eyes, watch their hands, and conclude your discussion in a businesslike manner. Don't waste time, get to the point, and then get going. Along those lines, pay attention to the way you carry yourself in public. Your body language can be very telling. Predators normally watch their victims before they strike and look for key indicators. Number six, meeting strangers. You may wish to have a couple extra people roaming around at a distance to watch for the approach of an ambushing force. Many attacks begin by placing people at ease and using a larger force held in reserve to swoop in when the parlay has begun and everyone's guard is down. Number seven, territory. You need to stake it out, post it, warn others, and enforce the fact that it's your territory. Many times attackers will be persuaded to find a softer target, one that is less organized with people not in a readiness stance at all times. So these post-collapse rules will keep you alive. There are some rules to follow that are hard rules but will serve you in good stead. They apply in wartime situation and they will apply equally in a disaster such as an apocalyptic event with societal collapse. Number one, everybody wants something. They aren't traveling towards your home turf or nothing. They want something, food, water, clothing, shelter, tools, or interest in the opposite sex. This last will cover as an individual item. You need to find out what they want and if they're willing to trade something for it or if they're just out scouting to raid, the more likely of the two choices. Number two, discretion is the better part of valor. Keep a cool head, a steady hand, and an unflinching eye and the ability to go into fighting mode in an instant. An aggressor will notice these things. He will want to assess your abilities. This also means keeping your cool. It doesn't mean shutting up and allowing yourself to be verbally bullied into a corner. The enemy can sense weaknesses as well. Mr. and Mrs. Hallmark, you're going to have to step it up and do your own dirty work, your own fighting for once. Better be smart and don't bite off something that is bigger than you can chew. Interest in the opposite sex. This is a fact of life. The primary groups will be groups of men that are correlated directly with ancient hunting parties of old. These groups of men will no longer have rules they have to follow, and they will want your wife, your daughter, or your sister. They will adhere to no rules or property. They will want children as well, girls or young boys. Let me be perfectly clear. You will have to kill them when they come for such. Number four is cannibalism. Yes, cannibalism is always something you may have labeled as a fluke event such as Alive, the story of the Andes survivors, but it is not. There was an army study years back that found that one human out of 1,000 will actively hunt other humans for food. I'm here to tell you that number is grossly underestimated. Cannibalism begins almost immediately, at least within the first one to two weeks following a disaster. There is plenty of history out there to document, such as the Donner Party as well as a presentation done by the Discovery Channel. Be aware of it. They'll be out there and you need to be ready for them. You need to continuously assess your fighting skills and training. Assess these realistically and take into account your shortcomings. Learn to pair your preference with 
what is most effective. Although I can more than handle myself in a knife fight, I prefer to meet an attacker carrying a blade with a nice 24-inch aluminum t-ball bat. I'm here to tell you when the bat is swinging, the bat is singing, and the song is playing is all mine. You have to find your own personal weapons of choice for close encounters where a firearm may not be able to be used. In the end, taking care of yourself is a stance, and when the S hits the fan, the rules will disappear. They are as fragile as society itself, as fragile as cobwebs drenched with dew in the summer sun. A strong wind will blow them away just as an event will blow down the hallmark houses made of straw and blow away the thin veneer of civilization, masking the underlying altivistic barbarianism along with it. Now is the time to assess yourself, making your plans and execute those plans to strengthen your body, mind, and spirit to prepare for the times to come. JJ out. All right, so the last, you know, the four things, these post-collapse rules will keep you alive. Those last two might be a little much for, you know, some of you. And really the whole article might be a lot for some of you. Because I know some of you are like, Todd, I prep for, you know, natural disasters type, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, snowstorms, blizzards, those types of things. When you're talking about, you know, uh, post-collapse society, you know, walking dead, you know, the apocalypse, whatever, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just don't know if that ever goes there. But what if it did, right? Um, You can kind of imagine how, uh, you know, he talked here about the thin veneer of society and of laws out there. Uh, You can see how there are times when people get crazy, even when there are good times. And uh, it's very easy for people to to escalate that quickly, you know, when there is law and order, when there are, you know, policemen around and that kind of stuff around. Uh, So you can kind of imagine where things would go if, you know, there was a true collapse scenario. Now, is there going to be one? I don't know. I sure hope, again, like I said earlier, I sure hope not. Uh, I I did not say hope so. I hope not because that's not, it's not, you know, it's the things of movies and stuff like that. It's not one of those, hey, let's try it out. It's not an, you know, an extended camping trip. It would be hell, actual hell. And so there'd be, you know, people would be dying. Uh, There would just, it would not be the kind of thing that you ever, ever truly want. But has society collapsed before? That's the question to ask. Has there been civilizations that have collapsed has there been societies that have gone into you know downhill and because of that you know they people did things that you would have never thought that they would have done and yeah you can go back into history and know that civilizations have collapsed and people have had to do crazy and weird and, and 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 nasty things and so you know is it that far fetched I don't think so. Do I want it to happen? No. Should you at least have an idea of what's possible out there? So if we ever went to that, that you're able, you that you're not just completely frozen, freaked out, like oh my gosh, here we are, and what do I do now? But at least you're like, hey, okay, I know how people can be. I know what is possible out there. Now, 
for a lot of you out there, a lot of you know that I am a minister, I am a Christian, my faith comes before anything, before I'm a prepper, before I'm anything, I am a Christian and my faith it, you know, is, is the number one thing that drives me. And so that is going to drive the way that I act and I respond and, and how I take care of things if this was ever to happen. You know, and so everyone's going to have to decide to, at what level they are going to live when they get, if there ever was a situation like this, if we ever get to a collapse civilization, a societal collapse, you know, and so, you know, things to consider. Um, it's one of those, again, um, people will say it's doom porn. Yeah, people will say it's like, man, this is so far fetched and things like that. But again, I'm going to go back to has society, have there been societies and civilizations that have collapsed? And when they collapse, does everyone just say, oh, hey, we've collapsed and uh, OK, let's just start rebuilding. That's not what happens. And so, you know, we just kind of take it from there. It's a place that you might not want to go mentally. I mean, to be honest with you, um, but I do think that it is helpful to at least think a little bit about these things because if we ever were to go there then you want to be ready at least you want to have an idea and a concept all right so i think i've kind of nailed that you know over and over again and so i'll just leave it at that and man if you have any ideas uh any uh reflections on this uh, i'd appreciate you to come you know come on over to episode 334 over at the prepper website podcast.com and leave me a comment and uh, say, Hey Todd, where, you know, tell me Todd, this is where I fall here, or this is what I believe, you know, as far as this, you know, I don't believe this is ever possible. I don't believe we're ever going there or Todd, I believe it's, you know, it's very possible and very probable and it's coming uh, probably sooner than a lot of people think. So I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments on that. And uh, if you do leave a comment, I will share it on uh, the podcast, uh, you know, whenever you leave it. So that that next day. All right, guys. Well, that is it for episode 334. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this podcast episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.